Hello, everybody, and welcome to Artist Corner. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Nikita. I'm I'm so sorry. I forgot to ask how you pronounce your last name. Um, Is it? it? It's pronounced Nikita Krukov. 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 Yeah. Cool. Well, today I'm joined by Nikita Krukov, and today. We're just going to be talking about some music and his games that you've probably seen on Steam and Itch, such as Milk Inside a Bag of Milk and the sequel, along with other games like Daiku no Medium. So, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add, by the way? Oh, nothing. <laughs> cool. He's also a visual novel artist, which is what his games are, if you aren't familiar with his work. Cool. So, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, a little bit sleepy, but uh, I think it will uh, go away soon. <laughs> not, a, not a big problem. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're doing good. When you write music for your games, what is typically the first thing you work on? Are you focused on the instrumentation, harmony, story, or anything else at first? Um, like from the very first years I started making music, like I developed some really bad habits. <laughs> for example, like scrolling through presets in some, uh, uh, libraries or synthesizers and hoping that some preset will give me an idea to develop it further and to make a full uh, composition with that. Uh, and I still have this um, habit when I feel lazy to uh, come up with something myself because I don't really like, um, well, uh, I tried to uh learn sound design from from scratch from like basic um waveforms and develop it into something uh, full uh in terms of uh, like uh, sounding and stuff but yeah but let's imagine i found the the ideal preset i think is suitable for what i'm looking for right now um i uh, most of the times I start with uh, like layering the uh, bass and basic harmonies. And uh, when it gets to the melodies or to the rhythms, uh, everything I've done prior to that moment, it will always change somehow. So uh, the uh, very first steps I did, it with a very high chance it will be rewritten to suit the uh, melody and rhythm and uh, the overall like mood of the uh, track uh, I've made. But it applies to like music, for example, I did like I, um, how does it, uh, I commit, no, I, <laughs> I made music for money. Yeah, uh, when I made music for money for other games, uh, that was my, uh, basically my, workflow but when it comes to something more um, 
more experimental, more ambient-like, more uh, like, uh, like yeah, stuff like that. Uh, the workflow may vary very drastically. Uh, and there is no formula. I think that's more uh, bad than good because every time I start working on any project, it's like my mind is just blank. I have to invest a lot of time to uh, come up with the uh, overall understanding. It's not always the case with uh, with milk too uh like even before i started writing the script uh, before i started uh making like sketches uh, of the graphics and stuff i already knew what it what it should sound like like i already knew that there will be a scene where uh, like heavy drone drone metal guitar will be playing and uh like i used that as a main point to build this theme upon. So the music was the central uh, core part of that. Um, yeah, there are uh, some examples where, when I made uh, like 30, 50, 60 tracks, very short tracks. And then I started writing the actual game and uh, most of the times, a, a big portion of these these tracks will go uh, into the game uh, without any change. So, yeah, <laughs> I I don't actually remember what what the question was, but I think I. Uh... I think that was a good answer. Yeah, yeah okay, I think. Thank you. I think it's interesting you that you write the music first, oftentimes, and then kind of write the story based on the music. We were talking previously before the interview and you told me that you, one way you like to think of, I think you said this about milk outside a bag of milk. You said that you like to think of it kind of as a, a game, a music album. I forget how you described it. It was, I think you said that you like to view it as a music album, but a game. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. As I said previously, uh, what what I want, like what I imagine uh, Milk Two uh, to be, is not just a game you start, uh, go through, and finish, but a game where you can stop at any time to uh, give yourself time to breathe. And the, these uh, times of like uh, calmness, uh, they will be always accompanied by some kind of music. Uh, there are an episode in the game where you click on the different objects. And in some sense, uh, you can uh, like set your own mood there using radios because there are a lot of different tracks, I believe about 12 on each radio so 36 in total so yeah uh uh the idea is uh that uh, it can be a place just a place of uh, like relaxation and uh, putting your 
thoughts together, maybe. Because you don't have to talk constantly with the character. Because it can be a little bit uh, like exhausting, I think. And a lot of people, uh, when they uh, talk about the their uh, like emotions they got from the game or the uh, the feelings they got, uh, most of the times uh, they get this like idea I put in the game, not talking about it like openly. Uh, like the they find their own moments of like cal calmness mm. basically yeah yeah i think so it's, I... Very, it's very personalized because there are a big variety of different scenes and music and uh, the combination will it has a chance to struck each person in a different way i think yeah i was actually i was thinking about this a while ago because when i play games sometimes i get a bit upset with myself because i feel like i can't understand the story completely as well as someone else might be able to but at the same time if you think about it these stories and games that we play are usually subjective and it makes me feel better that that's also how you view your own story because i noticed that how i understand the story could be completely different to another player's experience yeah i think it's not about the uh uh like the analysis of what you just read like uh said <laughs> there is a uh like latin expression in russian post factum but is there such expression in english post factum like sorry after, after after completion like okay after uh, maybe i'll think about it <laughs> yeah okay um so it's not about the uh the uh realization of, yeah realization and a deep analysis of what you just experienced it's about the experience itself mm. so uh what you feel is never fake and is never misleading and is never uh, wrong in any way. So even if you think about the game, about the events of the game, about the story in your own way, which is not, I don't know, supported by the majority of other players, but you felt it. And it, it cannot be... Uh, like not true for you personally so yeah yeah i think it's really interesting when you play a game that everyone the majority of people have this one view of it but for some reason you think of it completely differently and it it's cool because it creates a whole conversation about it and it gets people really excited about the game yeah exactly so are there any well-known or obscure stories that have inspired the way you tell your stories in your games? Mm. Whether it's in other games or television or movies? Um, yeah, let me think, because uh, like you, you mentioned Daikuna Medium, 
and it was my first ever game uh, released in public. It was a, uh, as, as it often uh, it is with my games, it was a visual novel contest, like with, uh, with prize and everything. Um, and prior to that, I was creating a, another visual novel. Uh, and this visual novel was rather generic. It has nothing, uh, no features resembling the uh, my storytelling right now. It was just generic uh, visual novel with no, like, with nothing new, basically in the genre but i don't know i think like i felt some dissatisfaction with that because it didn't really go anywhere hmm. and when the time for the uh the contest came i decided to create a little spin-off of that story so uh, i made take my medium and i was to how do i say it I I wanted to joke with the judges somehow <laughs> to create like very cryptic, very uh, like intertwined um, uh, uh, storylines. So it was like against the vision I had prior, but it became my main vision after that. Like every game after Daikuno Medium that had been released, it has these features present in in some way or another. Um, oh, by the way, the this game, which I was working on prior to the Economedium, it got eventually released, like just a prologue, a, a short demo. And it did not have any like reaction from anyone uh, yeah, especially considering that was the only time I invested some some money into uh, PR uh, in one way or another. Yeah, and it was the <laughs> only time uh, this kind of PR was completely useless. So I I decided I would never like uh, get any paid promotions for my future games because it just. Uh, it makes no sense if the game is not captivating enough by itself. Like my logic is, if the game is good, it will find its audience, and the audience will spread it like uh, within uh, other uh, communities, and it will grow by itself without you uh, like participating in it very actively. Well, even um. If your goal is to make the most money you can make, that approach is not correct, of course. <laughs> but that was not my goal. And it's not my goal either now or any time in the past. For me personally, I've, I've from doing this podcast, I've actually heard a lot of other people say the same thing that they think whatever they're making, if it's really good, then that alone will carry it to a bigger audience. But do you think it's okay to 
share your work with people and talk about it if you're really passionate about it and not necessarily in a I guess in a marketing kind of sense but just because you want to share it with people do you think that would work too Mm, well, there is a difference, I think, between just sharing your, like, how did you say? Um, exactly, sharing what with your people? content or your um, work. Yeah, I I'm kind of confused with the question. Um, you're good. Like, I'm is it okay to share your work with people without? Um, I guess less of a. Less sharing it as a marketing tool and more sharing it with people because you actually, let's say you're just talking to it with your friends and family because you're excited about it. Do you think it's okay to talk to people in that way rather than, I guess, wanting to get people's attention and doing certain things to do that? Um, so what you mean is, is it okay to be as personal with the audience as you are with your friends or family or? Yeah, I guess so. Sorry, I'm, I might actually be saying this horribly wrong. <laughs> I apologize. No, because I have uh, like answers for several different questions with which I think are suitable for this question, but I want to know exactly what you mean. Um. Because for me, I guess recently I've been, since I've been hearing this a lot, I've wondered if it if it's still okay to talk about your passions and talk about yourself. Mm. Because that's what I've been hearing. I've been hearing different perspectives about that from other people I've had on. Well, I think it depends on uh, how uh, like how artistic your approach is. To sharing these uh, uh, like this uh, stuff you got on your mind because there is like a very very uh, thin line between the uh, like artistic um, interpretation of uh, something very very human in basic but uh, it can be its own story and even if you don't Uh, understand the implications of that story it can still be enjoyable on its own and on the other side of the line is basically just um uh unedited human raw emotional uh stuff which is not subject to any uh like artistic uh, interpretation and there are people who like that Who wants who want to see like the exact reality they uh, experience and they see around them in media too yeah I personally not a fan of this approach but it can still be very very um, powerful in some in certain situations so for example when you uh, uh, take milk any any game uh, the prequel or the sequel as an example, There is a balance. There is very raw, uh, unedited, un, uh, genuine. Yeah, genuine things that 
anyone will understand because it's said straight to your face, like at face value. Um, but there are yeah. things that are so cryptic, so hidden deep beneath the layers and layers of meanings that are uh, not entirely true, but uh, not entirely false. And somewhere lies the uh, the original idea or meaning or event or something that um, is very important for the story. But even if you are unable to unveil it, uh, you can still enjoy the <laughs> yeah, there are guys like crawling on my building. <laughs> You're good. Um, what was I saying? Oh, you, yeah. even if you don't understand the hidden meaning, you will. You can still enjoy the surface meaning, and it does not mean that. <laughs> and it does not mean that sur surface meaning is worse or uh, targeted at. Uh, the audience who is uh, less, I don't know, <laughs> less uh, willing to unpack dive deeper. This, this yeah, yeah. It does not mean that. Um, I don't know. Did I answer your question? What I, do you think? I think so. I think what you're saying is that you can have a piece of art that has a bunch of different layers within it and you can still you can talk about your art with with your audience but it's it's also okay to leave a lot of things unanswered for them as well is that right um yeah yeah i think yeah because um i can understand when you don't really want to hide the actual things you want to say you want to just rant and rant and like uh spill out everything but if you decide to do that in a certain artistic medium uh, be it a visual novel or a game or a movie or anything um you have to apply something to make it work within that medium because of course everyone will uh like understand the struggles you are going through if you just talk about them like straight mm, yeah but uh if you're decided to put it in some uh, in some in some form you have to understand the uh the rules of uh, how it is applied in that exact um, in that medium. medium yeah cool I, yeah I actually I understand what you're saying now so it's better to it's better to leave room for interpretation for the audience rather than talk about all of your feelings or intentions that you had making your content. Yeah, if, if you feel like that, yeah. If you don't feel like that, you can tell everyone straight ahead. Cool. So it's it's both uh, like uh, both uh, methods are uh, 
There's no wrong method. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So when you wrote music for the Milk Games, did you get inspiration from Yume Nikki at all? If I correct me if I'm wrong, but when I listened to Choose, the one with the question mark, I heard samples from the Snowy World. Is that right? Uh, they're actually another track from Milk 2, which uh, resembles Snow World even more. Oh, but uh, wait a minute. You talk about Choose with a question mark? Yeah. From Milk 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I <laughs> thought you, you were talking about the Milk 1 track. We can talk about both yep. too. Um, yeah, there is a resemblance, I think, with the, because it's uh, six eight, and the arpeggios is going the same way. But uh, I don't remember if this exact track maybe it somehow like was etched in my mind, and I just recalled it at this moment. <laughs> but uh, actually, I was uh, listening to Yuminiki Fun Games. Uh, more music more than the Yuminiki, the original Yuminiki itself. Oh, wow. Yeah, because there are a lot more variety in those um, yeah. games. Uh, I'm not saying that the original is uh, has no variety, but for Milk 2 especially, it was needed to uh, have some references from very different genres that somehow work, somehow work within one game because I had different endings, different color palettes for these endings, different uh, stuff going on. So uh, I had to get more, like listen to many more sites than just uh, one site of Yuminiki that it can offer. Wow, so did you, you didn't sample it at all then? You actually, you just wrote that song with your own sound design and then it somehow yeah. sounded similar. Yeah, yeah. I even remember exactly how I did it. It was um, uh, like a simple wave in Serum. Oh, yeah. And then I then I layered the, uh, the noise layer and I automated the pitch of the noise. So it, uh, if you remember, the arpeggios are going, are going like uh, without any change. And this noise lever is going like that with yeah, the gliding. automation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At wow. random times. It jumps up and down. I was I was almost positive that you sampled it, but that, that blew my mind. <laughs> oh, and anything I have ever sampled in Milk 2 or Milk 1, but Milk 1 does not have any sampled music. Um I sample from my own music from my old <laughs> from my very old tracks basically. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I'm I uh, uploaded a track from 2017, uh, from which the uh, death music and the concrete circle oh, yeah. uh, were sampled. Yeah. So I made this track and forgot about it, but uh, it somehow came to my mind when I was uh, like searching through my old folders, uh, and I decided to sample it, and it 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 became one of the biggest tracks, like <laughs> that people enjoy. Yeah, it's a, it's one of my favorite tracks from the game too. So, do you have any favorite Yume Nikki fan games? Have you played games like Dot Flow or Yume 2 Yeah, yeah, these two exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the most time playing. Nice. And listening to to the music too, of course. 
Yeah, they're great games. I don't know if you've seen, there's actually, there's a fan project called Yumi Nikki Online. Yeah, you, I've seen. Yeah, yeah, cool. For listeners who don't know, basically it's this fan project where you can play a ton of Yumi Nikki fan games and Yumi Nikki with people online. It's really cool. Yeah, I think there's, who came up with this idea is, is a genius. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It. I feel like it actually kind of revived that style of game a bit because I've been seeing more and more pop up as of lately. Yeah, and I, I what I like the, about this project, it does not clash with the, uh, uh, the intentions of the original game because it's in some way it is about the isolation of the character. But even if you're with someone within a dream, it's a dream after all. <laughs> uh, this someone can be a character you are dreaming of, just like the other characters there are in Yumeniki. So it's not like it's your like sh shared dream with someone. It is uh, in in one in one way, but uh, I don't think it ruins the experience at all. Yeah, that's a great point. Have you ever been inspired by any by, dreams? By dreams? Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> 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 I forgot that uh, the recording was not stopped here. Um, uh, <laughs> You're good. Yeah, I have. Uh, like I dream pretty often, but the dreams that stay with me for a long time, the, that kind of dreams is very rare, and I don't know what should I do to uh, to get these kind of dreams more often because uh one uh one time it's a complete nonsense and the other time is a full story with characters with different locations mm. with storylines with the beginning and with the ending or with the uh uh the uh dream i have after a year can be a sequel to that initial dream. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I like it's not the dreams that inspire me. It's the um like the idea you even could have dreams that inspires me, wow. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not much happening there. But the idea is that um, the idea of uh, you like generating this whole new world, even if you're not particularly thinking about them during the day daytime, that's what like I can let this this thought go and I think about it pretty often. Have you ever tried to learn how to lucid dream? If you know what that means. How to what? Lucid dream. Basically, oh, that just means having a dream that you, where you realize that you are dreaming. And then by realizing that you can, you can learn how to take control of it. I believe I've read something about it 
very very long time ago and didn't find that much exciting at the time but i can like freshen this uh, this information now after the interview and maybe it will uh, it will push me to do something <laughs> yeah i've actually i've managed to do it a couple of times and it's really fun but yeah i'll tell you about it later too <laughs> yeah sure so did you make all of the artwork in your game Daiku no Medium? If so, yeah. what was that process like? Are there any specific resources or tools that helped you create the art? Um, I'm actually very embarrassed to say that, but uh, um, do you know what tracing is? Yeah. In the art, in the art sphere? I've done it many yeah. times <laughs> Yeah, when I was a so, kid. Um, the uh, the rules of that contest, which the Eclamidium was made for, they did not explicitly say that tracing is prohibited. <laughs> but I I couldn't dr draw at all, like at all. And I didn't want to work with anyone too, for several reasons. But I really wanted to make that game. So yeah. I... Yeah, I've let myself do that dirty trick. But to be uh, like, uh, to be fair, uh, you won't ever guess what images I've traced because I've traced only uh, like the basic geometry because I, I, I had no knowledge of geometry. But everything else, the faces, the uh, hair, the backgrounds, uh, I've drawn like from from scratch. About the style itself, about the pixel art, um, I know how it works, like uh, how you should apply dithering and uh, what colors, what color palettes, and whatnot. Uh, it's the lack of fundamentals, lack of fundamentals I have. <laughs> like I understand how how it should be drawn, but uh, what lies underneath is the anatomy, perspective, everything. I I had no idea at the time. Well, I have no idea how to draw even now. So <laughs> I think it's still cool that you made a game like that, even even when you had those limitations. Yeah, I like every game I made. I always apply some kind of limitations. On myself to like be in these uh, um, yeah to just not not to stray stray away from the uh, the path that these limitations create yeah what are you most excited for with your new game 1000 uh, um, first things first this will be a very long game compared to my other games. And I always wanted to make a long story, like six, seven, eight hours of reading. Like it's not very long compared to like the 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 most popular visual novels like Steins Gate or uh, you know these these kinds of Japanese yeah. visual novels which are easily 50, 60, 70, 100, 150 hours. 
to complete them like 100%. It's not something that I'm, I think I will ever be able to do and I don't really want to. Aside from the length of the game, it it's a, this time, uh, I always wanted to make a an adventure story, like with a lot of uh, characters traveling from point A to point B, then, then to point C. And uh, it's exactly what I'm writing right now. So nothing is static in this game. Because if you look through my uh, uh, previous works, Dikonomedium is only the little cramped spaceship. Milk One is... Milk One, I think, is closer to an, a little adventure because there is at least some movement from one point to another. Milk Two is just one room and, <laughs> and that's all. But uh, this time um, there will be a lot of really, really huge uh, adventure to it. I'm really looking um, forward to it. Yeah, thank you. Um, let me think what else. So, not to spoil anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Feel free not to spoil anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fantasy game also. Like, the setting is uh, somewhat fantasy, not quite with, like, the uh, magic and, uh, like, non-human creatures, not that kind of fantasy, but uh, more like dr more like dreamlike fantasy with very uh, strange things happening. But, as always, like, the core of the story is basic uh, human uh, relations and emotions and uh, un understanding of uh, between uh, people, yeah. Wow, so it's, it's more about connections in life. Yeah, and it, it's uh, like in life, there are very little connections you keep like from from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, say that because life is also a journey. Even if you are not physically going anywhere, for example, you're living in the same town or in the same house. Uh, it's an adventure still, but here, uh, it is the like this uh, adventure that is going within you. Here is uh, it's interpreted as a literal adventure through different. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, different, uh, like different. Parts of yourself? Mm, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand that sounds very uh, uninteresting. No, and, I think uh, it's cool. Very strange. But uh, I, I really can't say anything 
about the story because every little detail can be uh, spoiling. Well, no worries. Is what? Well, can I think for a second? Yeah, sure. Is there anything new on a technical level of your next game? Yeah. Unless, unless it yeah. spoils. Um, I, I'm thinking of including actual, uh, like non-visual novel elements, like uh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you don't have to say it. Yeah, it's not like a gameplay per se, but uh, like I want the uh, experience be close to a real game, like RPG game, but you are still trapped in the limitations of a visual novel. So I want to make you feel that you are in the... Uh, a big open world game and you really want to jump in these these locations and like explore them but you can't because <laughs> it's a visual novel well you can in some way but not in the way it is done in uh, games like I don't know The Witcher or like, Gothic or Skyrim not, yeah, instead, in that, not in that sense instead you're doing it with your imagination yeah it's same with the uh with milk because um especially milk one the most what what it was most inspired from is Yume Nikki's traveling within these worlds like opening doors and uh, finding yourself in unexpected places and I really like that feeling of like discovery but I wanted to translate it to uh, text format so you are not physically moving anywhere you are not choosing the doors or the locations you are going to but I wanted to like capture that feeling and put it in the uh, text format and I think Milk 2 does this work even better uh, with its endings and its branching uh, paths because you there is no there is no logic uh, between your actions and the uh, outcome of in Milk 2 the same as it is in Yumeniki. It's not about logic. It's about the uh, the surprise, maybe. At least uh, the first time. I don't really count any... Like, I made the game with the very first playthrough in mind. So every playthrough you do after you completed the game, it's not important to me what you do there. The most important thing is what you do on your first playthrough, like when you go blind into the game. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's really interesting given how there's also multiple endings to the game. Yeah, yeah. Because I understood uh, even before the game released that once you get one ending, you won't, most probably you won't go like with the same pace to get the other, you will skip everything you have read already. 
and you will go search for uh, like the instructions people uh, publish on Steam or somewhere else. Because I, I knew how it is. I played official novels with different endings myself, and I don't really feel like sitting for another 10 hours uh, before the very first crucial uh, choice appears when you can uh, decide with, with end, which ending you are getting. Yeah. Speaking of playing visual novels, are there any visual novels that you've played recently? No, I've I've stopped playing visual novels like quite some time ago. The only visual novels I play is uh, are the uh, games made by my friends because there is a very like relatively small Russian community, and within that community there is an even smaller community that is like I won't say there is a conflict between the two. But um, yeah, the, there is a conflict between the two, and I'm uh, I tend to stick with the smaller one uh, in this uh, in this situation, uh, and uh, I've uh, I've got a lot of friends there, and uh, for example, the artist for Milk Two who made all the uh, the uh, graphics. The sprites and the uh, animations, uh, most of the animations, like the pixel one, because there is uh, like a full anime intro and the outro. Yeah. These were made by different people. And I've worked with all these people uh, already before Milk 2, and I've read their visual novels. They write their own uh, games too. They have their own distinct styles. And I try, uh, like, with my. <laughs> With my new gut, uh, like opportunities, I try to publish uh, my friends' games on Steam as much as I can. So if you saw it, there's like four or five games I've published. Uh, just not like a publisher, which you know, like dictates you what to do with your game and takes a part of your revenue. Uh, to himself, I don't do that. Like I, I don't need their money because I don't want. I I just want to, uh, like, uh, give them a wider audience because they deserve it, as well as I, uh, like, um, yeah, they deserve it, basically. Yeah, and I think that's so cool of you to do. I think, yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything in particular that you'd like to talk about for your upcoming game? <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> talk about anything. Because um like right now I'm only writing the uh, the story, the main script. It's already uh, like if you count the words, it's already bigger than Milk 2, the whole of Milk 2, but it's still about 25% of the uh, planned story. So I can't say anything about what I plan to do with the game because it can suddenly change. Yeah. Because, yeah. 
I try. I even tried to write a like very uh, detailed plan of the story from start to finish. But when I try to write according to that plan, I always come up with something better. And this whole plan it goes to the trash because this one detail that I came came up with just out of the blue, it uh, ruins the uh, previously established uh, storyline, and I have to rewrite everything I've written before that. So I uh, I have no plan at the moment. It does not stop me from writing, and it it always was the case with my games. I think, but the only problem is I write too slow for my for my liking i would like to write faster well i think for me it's already talk about myself for a second but for me sometimes i get worried with my own work that i write i make stuff too fast because i get worried that i'm not spending enough time on it and i think it might be not a bad thing if you spend more time on something so that way you can refine it and i guess make it make it as close to your vision as you'd like it to be and not to say for me it's sorry is it okay if i talk about myself yeah, i feel no like no of course i was just gonna say for me that when it comes to making stuff quickly I don't know if it's a bad thing to do or if it just depends on what you're trying to get out there. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does, I think. Like, mm, I, I don't think it's about the... Uh, uh, like the pace or the... Uh, Yeah, I can't get it. <laughs> You're good. Take your time. Can you like briefly repeat what you, what you so, want, please? Basically, I'm worried about, or I guess in general, I'm wondering if it's bad to make art quickly or if you should focus more on taking your time with it. Well, because some people can put in the same amount of quality depending no matter what speed they're making it at because everyone has their own processes but I don't really know how to figure out what works for me if that makes sense yeah um, I think that like partially depends on your goals as an artist and I can say like for every art medium but I know a lot of uh, artists, for example, who uh, either publish one fully completed beautiful work like every month, or they post uh, quick sketches, but they're like full of life and uh, still made by a professional, but it's uh, if a quick sketch and they post them every two days, for example. Like, um, I think it's about what you expect when you post anything. Because um, there was a time, for example, when I 
was making a lot of stuff and never published it anywhere and will never publish it. And I, I don't understand that like uh, this past me because now I I'm unable to do that. If I make something and I feel that the, it uh, this is like rather good, I want to share it like right away. Even if it's uh, a fully uh, completed work or a quick draft or a quick demo or a new piece of uh, script, like I feel that way. So I guess whatever makes you feel better, you should stick to that. That makes me feel a lot better, actually, because that's exactly how I feel. Whenever I make something, I just want to share it right away. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, thanks. Thank you for sharing your perspective on that. And I think it'll also help other people who are wondering about the same thing, I hope. <laughs> cool. Can I think for a second, by the way? Yeah. How are you right now? Oh, great. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. a bit hungry, to be honest. <laughs> a bit hungry, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you're craving for? Uh, yeah. Uh, since I like live almost a year here in Japan, the the best thing about Japan is that anything they make they make is so good, especially compared to uh, the places I used to go in Russia. Because I me I really miss home home Russian cooking, yeah. and the price the prices on the vegetables and <laughs> yeah but here uh, even if you can't achieve the same with home cooking like to fully satisfy yourself uh, you can go out basically anywhere and they will deliver the best quality and the best taste of anything like <laughs> so I lost any preferences here and i i can eat everything here really so yeah what are your favorite restaurants to eat in the place or anywhere in not without getting too too specific you know to where you are well yeah but uh like for every style of like every dish there is a perfect like the my favorite place i have so if it's uh, udon, for example, it's one place. If it's uh, curry, it's another place. Like, if I want something, I know exactly where I should go. Like, I don't have to search for it. But if I want to try something new, I can uh, go anywhere, like, anywhere, and it'll be good. Anywhere, and I won't be disappointed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What has been? The most recent thing that you tried? Mm, yeah, let me think. <laughs> I I went to um, Thai place yesterday, and I've tried um, spring rolls, like in wrapped in rice paper. I never uh, tasted rice paper like before. Yeah, and I, I and I found it is interesting. Yeah, and I also yeah I also tried uh, some dessert like Thai dessert. Yeah, 
uh, it kind of reminded me of Russian. There is a uh, a soup in Russia. Uh, it's a regular chicken soup, but it has like clumps of uh, dough, like just thrown in there. So it's like little dough balls, and you. So it's it's like a soup with a macaroni. But that sounds good. Yeah, and so this uh, Thai dessert was basically the same thing, but it was sweet, like these clumps of I believe it was rice rice flour, rice dough. Yeah, and some type of milk porridge or something like that. Yeah, I really like that. And yeah, you said rice paper is pretty interesting, and I I thought the same thing. It it kind of doesn't really have the rice paper itself doesn't have that much flavor. It's more of a yeah, I it's think, like wrapping. Yeah, yeah. To hold stuff together. Yeah. Are there any really good dessert places that you've gone to in your area? Mm, no, not really. I like. I don't like like the dessert specific places, like um, like bakeries or like dessert is a thing that I eat occasionally and I don't really care what it is. Like if it's a bar of chocolate, I'll I'll be okay with that. I don't have any <laughs> Me like, too. Cra cravings for sweet stuff. So what whatever is sweet is okay if I want something to eat. But if I want something uh, like a full meal, yeah that's not the story. <laughs> Thanks. I know exactly what 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 I will eat today, for example, after this interview, because I I now have already like decided developed an image of my perfect dinner today. <laughs> but what will I have as a dessert? I don't know. I made. I can grab something on the way home. In the store. Would you what mind? Would you mind saying what the perfect dinner for you tonight would be? Yeah, I want to uh, eat some fried chicken with. Uh, that sounds a, good. Yeah, a heap of cabbage. That sounds uh, good. A miso soup, as a um, something to uh, to drink, basically. <laughs> nice. Is there anything in particular you'd like to talk about right now? Um. Whether it's about milk or. Your other games, or? Well, I would like to talk about music a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, if you have some, oh yeah, to to clean up with. Just wanted to make sure there's nothing else you wanted to talk about. <laughs> cool. When you when you make music for your games, do you do you have a feeling in mind for? Oh, sorry. Can I think for a second? Yeah. So when you make the music for your games and you have a certain feeling in mind for what the song is going to sound like, what is your thinking like to get that feeling out into the world, basically? Um... The way I think about music and visual novels, like the way they work, 
in visual novels, it's very, very similar to the way the music works in cinema. So there is a particular scene from the particular angle and on the uh, exact moment something happens, the music should uh, have some impact, for example, there, or it should stop or it should like, the music should be as dynamic as the scene itself. And visual novel has some uh, limitations in that regard because it, you control the pace of your own progression of the game. So, uh, yeah, I there is a uh, common practice to when you write a visual novel, you think, right, I need to have a happy song, a sad song, a neutral song a scary song and a, I don't know, action chase song. And ma many authors like are satisfied with that because they have, they feel they need music just to support the uh, mood. And it's not a problem on its own, uh, but with uh, the style I chose for my games, um, Oh, even if the player has full control of what of um what they are doing, I still uh make music with the uh, concrete moments uh, in mind from the perspective of play of the player. So, for example, if you take the uh, scene from Mill Two when the mother first appears, uh, so you like click through the intro on your own speed but when the mother appears you cannot click anywhere so the game takes control back yeah so this face appears at the middle this sound plays and then the uh, love music kicks in mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's about five to ten seconds when you it cannot progress so you have to like fully uh, experience this moment and only then you can uh, progress the story further i i believe how i came up with this exact moment um i definitely knew i um i don't know if you're like familiar with very very heavy metal music for example like uh, deathcore death metal there is a very very common practice uh, before the huge and low breakdown to ring a bell on the bell really? on the symbol of the drums. So it goes like ding, boom. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's the same it, what I did in the game. So the mother comes up with a sound <laughs> and then it goes to low chunky guitars. So yeah, I think these details uh, like <laughs> can say enough. <laughs> Uh, how I approach writing music. Speaking of metal, I I noticed that you're in a metal band, and yeah, I, I, I was, was really curious about that. Um, yeah, that's a, lo a long story. I think um, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, so when I finished my uh, uh, music school, I was about. 13 years old, 14. 
Yeah, and I got my first electric guitar. Uh, and I, I listened only to metal at the time and nothing else. <laughs> um, so I, uh, like the next five to six years, I was jumping between different bands uh, and still listening only to metal music. Like I was so, <laughs> like, mm, there was nothing that would have me change my opinion on any different genres of music. I like I really was a metalhead <laughs> at the time, um, and I regret it a lot because I wasted so much time writing metal, which uh, didn't end up anywhere. And I, I really have some progress in uh, songwriting metal songwriting but i don't need these these skills really anywhere but if i uh yeah if only things were different back then <laughs> um so this band um which i published on my youtube um yeah it started as a one-man band project like like screamo post-metal stuff like very emotional um and then i found some guys from my town and we played actually uh, for a long time and uh, gave some live shows. And when I moved to Japan, I moved with a, my girlfriend and with a guitarist of that band. And we really tried to like um, find missing uh, members of the band here and to start over to like uh, conquer Japanese metal scene <laughs> but but it didn't go as planned so the guy uh. left back uh, to Russia and uh, yeah so I don't listen to metal that often at the moment I still listen to it a lot but uh, I force myself to listen to other music I started buying CDs here I never bought CD in my life um and I choose new music. Like I never really use any uh, streaming services like Spotify. It's blocked in Russia anyway. So um, right now it's okay, but uh, <laughs> I'm used to not listening to music uh, from streaming services. And right now I still cannot get uh, comfortable with uh, streaming services. So I go to... Uh, like there is a shop called uh, Book Off. It's uh, secondhand uh, like uh, games, books, and uh, music, and uh, a lot of other stuff, manga. Um, and I buy any music I like the uh, album cover of. And uh, I've uh, like oh, like widened my uh, uh, taste that way a little bit are there any japanese artists that you've discovered since you moved here that you really like um there is an artist called pornography <laughs> i think i've heard of wait oh wait no yeah. there's another there's another band that has a name like that <laughs> but yeah there is also a guy called mersbo oh no no <laughs> i i uh, <laughs> i uh yeah, the Japanese word came to my mind, and the English one did not. Um, Again, I wanted to say another name because Merzbo is very wide known, of course. 
Um, it's Mac Kens. It's a Japanese rap artist, but his style is very, very unique. Like there is no like precise rhythm as it often is in rap music. And like the instrumentals is uh, to a very industrial and very like uh, low end sounding, like creepy a little bit. And I like that. That's cool. Have you heard any Japanese metal artists that really yeah. interest you? Yeah, I've uh, visited some live shows here. And uh, there is, I don't know if you know, um, there is a uh, very big festival in, I believe it's Czech Republic. It's called Obscene Extreme. I haven't heard of it. <laughs> so this festival contains like the most trash metal genres like <laughs> porn grind gore grind and uh, these, also like... i might have to blur that word out for the interview but yeah of course yeah yeah i i can answer it again so you, you... <laughs> no that's okay sorry yeah like very very uh underground genres and very disgusting imagery and anything like that <laughs> but the shows are just so much fun they throw like toilet paper rolls at the, <laughs> the audience and the rubber dolls like full-size dolls <laughs> so and there is a band called gutalax it's a czech band i think and there is a japanese band who tries to copy the gutalax and they really want to go on this obscene extreme fest um and i i've seen they're they're playing it's very very fun yeah <laughs> and i also uh seen a lot of like screamo uh post hardcore japanese bands like at, at first i thought when i wasn't so familiar with japanese metal scene at first i thought that japanese like purposefully reject the rules of western writing how the western bands write their music and their and japanese people reinvent the same genres that uh already existed at the moment but they reinvent them with their own uh, like vision and i thought that's kind of strange why would you do that but when i saw a lot of bands live uh listened a lot listen to a lot of music i kind of understand it now because uh, the genres i thought are like i'm fed up with like J japanese bands uh like uh made me think otherwise because uh, i really listen to uh english language english spoken uh, music most of the time yeah, but it's not only about the language. Also, you it you kind of found a way to, I guess, re re spark your passion for that genre by finding those different artists. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Are there any other genres 
that you listen to besides metal? Um, yeah, I like uh, I have a compilation of some genres I've never really gave the proper time to listen to, but it consists mostly of like crowd rock or um, like very uh, different genres from metal, as far from metal as it can be. Um, yeah, like traditional Japanese music also. So, uh, because I, at the moment, have no need to, like, listen to new music as a reference to something I should do, for example, for some other game, for some other people. Because I have been commissioned stuff like uh, Chinese music with Chinese instruments or... Uh, the music for a cyberpunk game like fully electronic stuff so i had to listen to a lot of that uh, kind of music to like get the understanding of the genre but at the moment i don't have that need so i uh, just uh, i mostly uh, listen to music randomly at the moment with with no particular uh, like um I don't search for anything like on purpose. That's interesting. I think for me, I sometimes get worried that I don't listen to enough different types of music because my my tastes are usually video game music and then I listen to a lot of ambient music and I also really like funk surprisingly which is the opposite of ambient music um, you like funk or you like funk funk or i guess i like funk too uh, can you spell it <laughs> please i like f-u-n-k <laughs> <laughs> i thought you like p-h-o-n-k <laughs> i like that genre too but <laughs> there's actually a song called murder in my mind i don't know if you've heard of it it's a funk song that's pretty good I don't normally listen to funk, but yeah. Yeah, I think like any genre you never listen to can uh, like get you like uh, hooked on or like surprised in some way or another. Because um, like if you take uh, funk, for example, it still uses the same instruments as many other genres. But the way of playing is different, and you can yeah. really uh, catch some interesting moments from there. Like yeah. th that's exactly how the uh, like symbiosis of genres is uh, born. <laughs> yeah, so you can uh, take some uh, playing techniques, for example, or just uh, some details from one genre and blend it in with another. Yeah, I actually had a conversation about genres with another guest, Bill Wirtz, mm -hmm. and we talked about it a bit, and I don't know if you agree, but I'm starting to think from talking to different musicians and just different kinds of people that I think genre is kind of a 
it's a it's a good term on its own for some things but i think when you're making music in my opinion anyway i i think it's better to not limit yourself to a specific genre yeah um well you have to do that at some point if you're for example publishing somewhere or uh, so you you might have your own vision but you have still you still have to uh be in some category in why in one way or another just to let people uh either find your music or like i don't know yeah it's it's a, a topic that can take some time to talk about yeah yeah <laughs> when you make so, music do you think about it as a genre at all um no because um I don't know how to classify music made for, made as a, um, made to accompany uh, some kind of other medium. So even if, like I make soundtracks, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, and these soundtracks can contain uh, elements of other genres. So this uh, uh, previously mentioned love music it is a visual novel soundtrack containing the elements of a drone, for example, because it is not a classic drone metal, because it was made with a purpose to be used in a uh, concrete moment, in a certain moment uh, in the game. So in order to fit, to make the track fit, uh, somewhere in the game or in the movie or I don't know where you might have to uh, break the rules of genre to make it work yeah that's what I think but if it comes to like music I write with my band yeah I uh, have like two or three genres that I uh, think we are we can be called but it's just because this music is made to listen to it as it is like as it like like people always listen to music yeah i understand what you mean when you mix your music do you have any rules that you like to use while doing that to make sure you're what what your sounds and what you played sounds closer to your vision mm, i don't know what like which exact rules you're talking about if you're talking about the basic stuff like uh uh equalizing like cutting the low end the compressor and limiter and all that stuff uh yeah that's uh like out of the question of course uh but uh, I don't really have a full vision before mixing. For example, I, when it comes to special uh, 
spatial, like for reverb and and uh, delay and stuff. Uh, I have no clue uh, what, um, like what space is the track is uh, going to be before I actually go to that that part of mixing. Um, so it depends. Uh, if I choose to create a huge space to uh, this track to be in, it can affect the other parts of mixing process. So yeah, aside from the very fundamentals, uh, each track is uh, mixed a little bit differently, I think. I also, there was a time about a year ago when I was using the most uh, basic uh, uh, music creating tools, like um, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, let me. Um, yeah, there is a site called Beepbox. Oh. Beepbox. Yeah, it's very very basic uh, music creation tool, like online tool, and I wanted to just experiment to see. How much can I do with the most shitty sounding uh, <laughs> synthesizers and the the least uh, used like uh, and the uh, to use the, uh, editing and mixing as little as I can to convey the uh, like the basic feeling I want to uh, uh, this track to I don't know to show. So yeah, I do some kind of experiments from time to time. I also, when I just started uh, making music about like 11 years ago, 12 years ago, like, of course I could not afford uh, all these uh, expensive contact libraries and anything like that. So of course I uh, downloaded it from uh, very kind Russian people who shared it. <laughs> and uh, I didn't understand why it does not sound good. Uh, because how can it be? It's a string library that uh, that is 70 gigabytes and uh, <laughs> it has all the articulations and everything. Why it does not sound good? <laughs> but uh, I didn't understand uh, a lot of uh, like the actual performance techniques uh, of the strings and uh, everything like that. So... Uh, I quickly, uh, like, threw all these expensive libraries away and started from the very basic and free ones to, like, slowly uh, grow on the understanding of the instruments. And uh, when I could finally afford the uh, all these uh, libraries, I just bought a complete and uh, uh, basically... Uh, learned every instrument it contained to like feel feel myself comfortable within the uh, the uh, plugins they included in complete. Are there any specific things you look for when trying to get a plugin? Mm. Again, it depends on what. I want to do, um, yeah, because I don't make music uh, for other people anymore. 
I don't really need any specific plugins like uh, or like oriental instruments or some specific uh, synthesizer sounds or anything like that so i don't know actually i think i'm quite uh, satisfied with everything i've got right now and if when i don't want to create uh, for example, very realistic orchestra orchestrations and uh, like symphonic uh, tracks uh, from scratch from like, every individual instrument. But I still want to make something like that. I just use uh, like uh, something like Core Game One or D50 or Expand, like very basic, very. Uh, not not very realistic sounding uh, synthesizers, very cheap ones. And uh, for example, if you take listen uh, on the on my latest video when I uploaded the tracks from a thousand, uh, it's about fifty fifty uh, in regard of uh, instruments. There are tracks with the most realistic strings and horns and woodwinds and everything like that and there are music and there are tracks with uh, the most basic ones without any articulations without any automation or... and it still sounds really good yeah and it st still sounds like coherent and uh, not uh, there is not uh, a very big difference because it's still um, Yeah, yeah. So, sorry for my. Uh, You're good. I think that was a really good answer. To construct a sentence, it takes some time. <laughs> I think those are yeah. I think it's really cool how you can manage to make a a basic sound on its own still sound really pretty. And yeah, it's inspiring for me as an artist, and I'm sure it is for other people listening. Do you have any advice for anyone listening who would want to improve at making music that evokes feelings in other people? Maybe if they're feeling something and they want to create that feeling into a song. Yeah, I don't know actually, um, because <laughs> um, uh, most of uh, the experience with music I got, especially the um, the music education, it was so long ago, and it was wasn't even my decision to go to music mm -hmm. school i would have never started making music for example if my parents decided that i don't need to go to music school so i i can just say because at the moment my uh, music process is like i just sit i can be in in the 
worst mood. I can feel very bad, but I I will still do what I want to do because of the uh, years of uh, um, experience. Yeah, I I think I'm misleading. I don't really know what to answer. You're good. I think maybe I because, could because the uh the idea of uh like just get an education and it will be good. No, of course not. But I can I can say anything else because I have an education, and I can say just do as I do. It's it's really easy. It's nothing uh, difficult. I I can say that either. So I don't know. I the music making process is so like mechanical to me that I don't put much thought into it and it still comes out uh, full of uh, it is not uh, emotionless as a result but I don't know how it is I really don't because when I tried to make emo emotional music on purpose it was back in the time I, I don't know created this screamo and stuff because I was literally screaming in the microphone <laughs> yeah like really literally but right now i don't know that's okay well yeah i think i think what you're getting at is or at least my understanding of it is actually i don't know <laughs> i'm sorry It'll give me a lot, lot to think about. Yeah, I always uh, watch different interviews and podcasts, not just yours, but with other people, and they always come up with something to say. I like I envy that, like full understanding of what they are doing, because I don't have that. So this interview might might come out is not very informative I, no I, I i think all your answers have been great i've i've learned a lot about how you kind of just your way of thinking a little bit more and i think it's cool how basically you when you make stuff you always make stuff to have a basically have some kind of importance in whatever game you're making. So basically yeah. everything you make has a meaning behind it. And I think that's really cool. I think um, one more crucial detail, I think when I write music and, or when I write um, the script, like I always, put myself in the shoes of who will uh, uh, like be reading it what is the word yeah who will be uh, consuming this what will they feel because I can't uh, replicate my own first expression of this music because I'm creating it from scratch and when I listen to it uh, to to have a really like 
to get myself what I want a listener to get, I have to make this uh, track, for example, and leave it be for 10 years and only then listen to it when I completely forgot about this track. And only then I can experience the same uh, effect I want to the listener to have right away when I made this track. So I can't wait 10 years. So I believe when I make music, I like my mind is not here. It's uh, there like uh, in it's... a listener's head or in a reader's head. Yeah. That's a cool way of looking at it. I've I've interviewed people before who have also said something similar where when they make music they they think about the listener and how important it is to make music for someone else. Or not not necessarily for someone else, but make music with that in mind in some way. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's going to sum it up for today's interview, if you're okay with that. Yeah, sure. That was a nice talk. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking to you, and thank you so much for joining me today. Again, I know it. maybe, maybe you were a little nervous about it and weren't feeling as confident, but I think every answer you gave me was great, and I learned a lot, and I'm really glad that I got to talk to you today. So, thank you. Thank you for having me. Is there anything else you'd like to promote, by the way, before we go ahead? Uh, no, not really. I don't. I don't have anything to promote. <laughs> Besides your new game. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you can check out his work on Twitter, YouTube, Steam, and I'm not sure if there's any other places I'm missing out. Well, there is a uh, VK page, but it's like R Russian uh, social media. I don't really think any of your viewers will be interested in that. And I also have a Behance page for my photos. And he has an itch.io page. Interested. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, itch.io too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And you can listen on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and... That's about it. There's also a Patreon page now. So check that out if you're interested. I'll see you next Friday. Bye. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. <laughs> and girls. So sweet. And everyone. <laughs>